Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDM Fantasy Podcast, Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, and Jamie Eiser. And we have a lot of stuff that has happened in the NFL that we're going to talk about. We've got some retirements. We've got some guys coming back. We've got new coaching staffs that are filling out. We're going to play a little uh, hypothetical game with some things that have happened in Major League Baseball and talk about why maybe the NFL is not investigating into certain things like Major League Baseball is. We're going to talk about money being given away at college football games. Uh, and it's, it's there. We're all kind of all over the place. There's a lot going on. And lastly, we're going to talk about the Rooney rule uh, and, and how there might be some changes in the works in the NFL. So let's start off with the first one. That is 28 year old Luke Keekley shocks the NFL last night with his retirement. The guy has suffered a lot of concussions and he is a hell of a player has been his entire career. And from all accounts, I've never met Luke Keekley or interviewed him, but I have a lot of friends that work in Carolina that he's a hell of a dude. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be a big loss from a leadership standpoint in that locker room. It's going to be a big loss for the NFL community in general, because he's a hell of a player and a, a really good example for the NFL. But what I want to talk about is now we've got, we've got luck who retired at the beginning of this year. We've got another guy under the age of 30, where players are saying, basically, he's played, he's played a, a good enough time where he is set for life financially, but he values his long-term health more than playing football. And I obviously cannot disagree with this decision and at all. And you throw Rob Gronkowski into that mix. Absolutely, too, Gronkowski. But he's right around that same age. 29 years old, so. retired. So, Jake, what is this? I want to say a trend, but it is. That's three yeah. really, really Superstar. good superstars in the NFL who have now... 30 years of age and under walked away from the game because of pain, basically. The money has gotten to the point where if you get a second contract, you're set. Yeah. And you can do eight years. And when I was growing up around the game and then when I was playing the game, like my goals were like, I'm going to play 10 years and have a sports center moment. I got to play two and have a sports center moment, but 10 would have been a lot better financially. Right. Uh, These guys can play eight years at that money. If you're a first round pick and you get a second contract and you're done and good on him. I got no problem with it at all, other than you might still be a Hall of Famer with the numbers that you put up, but you were on your way to being one of the greatest of all time. Sure. And, sad. and this is the Ron Rivera effect to me. I Greg agree. Olson's not coming back to Carolina, guaranteed, after talking about retiring for the last couple of years. I think you're going to see some other guys. Thomas Davis now gone off this, off this defense. Now Luke Keekley gone out off this defense. There's You don't know scheme-wise what they're going to do, but it's going to be a complete overhaul of this entire organization. We'll get into Joe Brady in a minute going there, but I think this is part Ron Rivera because I think he stays. I think he comes back for another year if Ron's the head coach. I agree. Um, but good on him. I, I mean, I, as much as it pained me to watch Andrew because until he retired, we it, Mahomes included, for starting a franchise, I'm still starting with Andrew Luck. Yeah. And that, that one hurt because I know him so well, but good on him too. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can't fault any of these guys. I played a year in extreme pain in, in injury and it sucks. It's just that the game's not fun. Life's not fun. And you do this for a few years on end at, at the level. I was kicking, not tackling 150 dudes during a year. Like, good on you. I mean, it's sad. 
because you lose the game to losing one of its best players. Yeah, it, it, it's sad for the game, but I'm also happy for Luke Kuechly to leave with his health, especially the kind of injuries he suffered. And Patrick Duke, Willis is another one. I don't mean yeah, to catch you off. I knew Willis. it was like another monster yeah. name that was like played like eight years at middle linebacker. Yeah. One, it's one of the hardest positions to play, but like that's another monster name. And that's a good comp because we're talking about two guys that I mean, but Willis, Patrick Willis would have gone to the Hall of Fame if he played for sure. Yeah, six, seven more years. But uh, it, good for him to get out with his health. Uh, at least what it is at this point, having all those concussions, I mean, it, it's different. I mean, it's a different type of injury when you start to worry about, am I going to, it goes beyond, am I going to be in pain the rest of my life? Or am I going to be able to function yeah, it's totally in, my life, different. in my 40s and 50s and 60s? I mean, we're, we're dealing with a whole different aspect there. As much as you love, look, they have, he's made plenty of money, but you know he loves the game. Oh, this is not an easy oh. decision, no matter how much money he has made. It's not an easy decision for Absolutely. Uh, and by the way, I, I would direct our, our listeners to go check out Jordan Rodriguez of The Athletic Story on Luke Keekley that came out today. It's an awesome piece. Uh, I would really recommend it. But uh, it, it's gonna, it's really interesting to me to see where Carolina goes from now because le- beyond Olsen and beyond Keekley, here are some other guys that are free agents that might not be coming back. Mario Addison, Trey Boston, James Bradbury, Vernon Butler, Ross Cockrell. Bruce Irvin, Gerald McCoy. I mean, there's a lot of pieces on that Ooh. defensive side of the ball. This is going to be a – we talked about the, the length of the contract that Matt Rule got. This is going to be a longer-term overall than people think. Yeah, and I think that has a lot to do with this. I don't think – I don't want to say with certainty. All of that points to Cam Newton not coming back too, right? Agreed. I mean, if you're going to blow it up with a completely new offense coordinator that's – a passing guru. Yeah, it's a per- it's a perfect transition here to talk Maybe about a quarterback in that. I mean, what are you picking fifth or sixth? Where That's exactly. So, so, ju- so the transition here is the LSU. Good on them. They won a national championship on Monday. From all accounts, I've thought Joe Brady was going to get a job from the very beginning, and the only job contractually because LSU locked him up what about a week ago was he could leave to go to the NFL. He is leaving to go to the NFL. He's going to the Carolina Panthers. This. All this is changing what is happening in Carolina, right? This is going to be a completely new organization. We've talked about ownership and making a splash and making this a football town, right? I have Joe Marino of the Draft Network. He lives in Carolina. He has said he hosted a a show um, in Carolina at their flagship station, said it's completely different. Like it's buzzy in a new way and not buzzy like it was when Cam Newton was up for the MVP. Like there's a different level of excitement because – there's so much new happening, Jake. There is. I, I mean, it, Tepper has done an unbelievable job. Yeah. of he, He's building the new facility. He bought the soccer team. He's going all in in Carolina of him being there, but it's his footprint that's making this difference. They're going to add on to the stadium, build a new stadium. There's all kinds of talk. Uh, but it all points towards Matt Rule doing whatever he wants, and you have this. Joe Brady thing I think is very interesting, but Joe Brady didn't call plays. He's a passing game coordinator, and he put in the offense of the passing aspect of it. But he called plays. Mm-hmm. And now you went from not calling plays in college. He's 30 years old. And I love the offense. I absolutely love what I what he put in. LSU would have won five national championships in the last 10 years if they had 80% of Joe Burrow playing quarterback. They didn't. Their offense wasn't ever that bad. They just didn't have the – when's the last time they won one? Jamarcus Russell was the first pick of the draft. Yeah. They had a quarterback. Joe Burrow does the same thing. It's risky to me. I, I think I it's basically Tepper saying rule. Let's – Shake this up. Let's be innovative. Let's go do whatever. But it does not point towards Cam Newton being the quarterback of the Carolina Panthers if you're going to go with this high-flying passing offense. And it also doesn't point to this being a quick turnaround. No. This is worth setting the base, and they're not giving up on next year. But essentially what they're saying is is we are looking – our window starts in three years. Our window's not right now. Our yeah. window's not 2021. Our window's for in that three to five years of, okay, we should be, we should be competing for the postseason division title – 
in year three or year four now because yeah. we have the new coach, we have the new coordinator. We're probably going to draft the quarterback in the next two years. Like this, they're going to have a lot to do. Like this team is going to be. I mean, this team has the potential. We'll see how well they're coached. This team has the potential talent wise to be one of the three worst teams in the league. Next oh year. yeah, they're. I think they're going to move on from a lot of those free agents that you listed. That's like I half think, their starting defense. That's what I'm saying. I think that this is going to be just a complete shift, and I think Carolina is going to look just dramatically different because you're talking about. Ron Rivera, that template, what we've known the Carolina Panthers to be, overachieving, grind it out, play good defense. This is going to be Matt Rule's offense. This is Matt Rule, and the thing here is he went 1-11, and then he was fine with turning that completely around and going 11-1 or 10-2, whatever. So they have that, and the ownership can be patient with it. The fan base can say he went 1-11, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, they overdraft Herbert or whoever they end up taking at 5 or 6 if 2 is gone already. Um, it's six, I think, because Miami's five right ahead of them. Yeah, early seven with the, I can't remember what the, the flip was with because yeah. the issue is going to be. I mean, if they're picking behind, well, everybody's picking behind Cincinnati, but if they're picking behind Miami and they're picking behind the Chargers, seventh. You so know, at that the, point, you so might not have that. By the way, so Detroit is picking in the three, three third. which could still so throw everything in, or you so can if, move up if, to three. If Tua, Herbert, and Burrow are gone at that point, you're not taking a quarterback. So there. here's where I want to have a little fun, right? Because. Tepper, the new ownership team, as for everybody that doesn't know, if you haven't heard us on previous podcasts, he is going to be taking risk. He's going to be, that's who he is as a human being, right? Yeah. So I, I presented this to the Draft Network guys yesterday, and they had a lot of fun thinking about hypothetical scenarios, right? Because they could trade away Cam, obviously, get some draft capital for that. Maybe. Maybe. Not much. Maybe. Okay, but... Play along. Look at the relief at least. But so yeah, for sure. Relief, so yeah. potentially move on from some other pieces that basically get very aggressive so that they could put together a package to go get insert whatever quarterback. Now, obviously, it's very easy to look and go, yeah, Joe Brady, Joe Burrow, but I don't know that there is a package available so there's no there's way that Cincinnati would Let's start putting Christian McCaffrey on the table. And if you're Cincinnati, you don't Even want that because Joe Mixon's no. fine. They don't have the capital to make yeah. that happen. So I don't care how creative you want to get. It, it's impossible. The RG3 deal doesn't isn't, isn't enough to go up to one. That's exactly no. – okay. Not That's for like, Cincinnati with Burrow and being from there. And all, no. And, and Carolina's so how, not going to trade five first-round fine or six – some stupid amount. They're not going to like – Not when you yeah. just listed 12 dudes, they're going to lose. Yeah, they're yeah. going to lose half the defense. It's a long-term rebuild. So, but we just listed now Detroit at three. Yeah. Miami at five. They're going to probably, if they want a quarterback, they might have to move up because you're talking about one, sure. three, and five. Here's what? another scenario. Yeah. Play move it down. out. Okay. Somebody's going to want to jump up to seven. Oh, yeah. Move down. Pick two more starters and ride it out for a year. If you're going to be that bad, there's a dude in the state next to you where actually you're building your facility across the line in South Carolina that you'd probably want to build that franchise with who's from Georgia, and that would all make a lot more sense to move down. To me, take a, one. a couple to go, starters. To go, to go take a one, take a one next year. Take a lower, yeah. Take a mid first round. Take Move a one down, next get year. a starter. Yeah. Pick up a couple more pieces that would fit what you want to do with him next year. And if you're not the first pick, make sure you are. Yeah. And all of a sudden, that's the other scenario that was played out because Joe Marino, like I said, he is fully convinced that this team's plan will be to make sure that they are the first overall pick to get Trevor Lawrence next they, year. Might, they might not have to try that hard. I mean, that's, if they lose, the, is the, look, they, they're losing half their defense, their best player on That's defense. exactly, he's They don't have a quarterback it. situation. So you have Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and Curtis Samuel. Yeah. That's what you got. Like, and they're, they're, they're losing so much on that team. Like, and I don't, they, the only yeah. way it makes sense to move up this year is if you can get one of those guys, but you can't. No, you can't. You, you, you can't. Why would you? 
No, unless you're convinced or somebody falls to you, but I don't see it happening. There's so much it's like somebody's gonna trade up too. Like there's always that chance a team says, you know what, screw it, we're not we're not the, we're gonna trade up with the Giants. The I only mean Trevor Lawrence yeah. is gonna end up being Peyton Manning with athleticism and a 100%. better arm. Yeah. yeah. Like do you, there's nobody gonna be more NFL ready by the time he comes out. He's from North Georgia. He's playing in South Carolina. You're building a facility in South Carolina across the state line. You're the Carolina Panthers. South Carolina, North Carolina, when it comes to the Panthers, is one unique place. There's no way you can hit a bigger home run than that. By the way, if you get some extra capital now, those guys have an extra year in the NFL, and you have a rookie deal. You have that rookie quarterback contract with a star there. That fits the window that Jamie talked about. You have the five years with Lawrence, which becomes years two, three, four, five, and six. Yep. So by year two, that's when you're starting to think you're going to compete. That, that fits. With a rookie. And then yeah. his second year, i.e. Patrick year, Mahomes, you're, you're making a run in year three. That's what, And that, I think that's a reasonable timeline. Now, obviously, it's best case scenario. For sure, of course. But, and a lot of things have to play by out. By the way, you're talking happen. about a first-time NFL head coach, a first-time yeah. play caller, period, calling plays in the NFL. There's going to be some growing pains yeah, regardless this year of who's playing. But it's going to be it's, – it's fun to play the hypothetical game with the draft stuff because we know ownership oh, is, is no, no doubt. so no doubt. And don't forget the salary cap when you do it. Jamie hit the nail on the head with Cam. If you get a six-rounder and you move on from the $20 million, home that's run. Worth it. That's yeah, worth it. Absolutely. That's that's the best-case scenario. If you cut him and you move on from the $20 million, it's yeah. fine. It's, I, it's I, a I lot of money. I don't see a reason why he's your starter next year. I can't. I just can't do it. Everything that they have done points to them moving in a completely new direction. Right, they're wiping the slate clean. They're looking at. I mean, Luke Keekley is retiring. This is like you couldn't you couldn't really script all these extra pieces that you don't really have control over that really point you in the direction of new identity, new team in the image of the owner. And I imagine that that's going to be easier to move on because Cam is so the old regime, yes. and it's impossible to separate those two. The biggest question mark I'm going to have, and it's not something they're going to have to talk about 2020, but 2021 is what they do with Christian McCaffrey because the 2021 season is going to be his fifth year. So two seasons from now. It, it, you got to lock the, him up next year when you have all this. That's cap. what I'm saying. You, have you, to. you lock him up when you have the cap space because how much do you want to commit to a running back? But – that's going to be interesting to me. Yeah, and it's interesting to play out because we know as talented as Christian McCaffrey gone, is. He's the face of the franchise. Of course. Absolutely. Hell, the, he's the only guy you got at this point. you got to lock him up. More. When you get rid of all these guys, you got to lock him up while you yes. have the cap space now. Yeah, you have to. He's he's the one kind of guy remaining that fits the the profile for them to market around. Well, he fits thing. any profile with anybody. Of I mean, course. Joe, Joe Brady's building the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for him in uh, in that offense. I think yes. it. We're, they, we're talking about a lot of fun, potentially, for Christian McCaffrey next year. All right, the next thing I wanted to talk to you guys about was uh, Art Rooney from the Pittsburgh Steelers talked about the changes changes he'd like to see in the Rooney rule, um, mostly because there's been a lot this offseason about how the Rooney rule doesn't work, right, and how there are issues with the Rooney rule. There's a million issues that we could talk about, but mostly what I want to focus on, guys, is – is there something that we could come up with collaboratively that wh- what are some changes that can be made, if any, that make this better? Or does it still come back to some of the things we've talked to before where we've talked about, hey, there need to be guys getting more experience early on, more opportunities like what Bruce Arians is doing in Tampa to make sure that these guys who are African-American or Hispanic or female have more experience so that when they do get the opportunity, they shine in a head coaching interview. You know, and I've thought about this. Not at the detriment of winning, losing games. I just, I don't know how you legislate that from the league office. That's what I'm saying. That's my concern. I I think what you need is there needs to be more pressure being put on head coaches and GMs and being like, hey, why are these candidates being ignored? Or why are you only, you know, why are you only hiring 
you know, the, your, your first head coach's son to be your coordinator or those types of things. But I don't know how the league mandates that. I think you need hard. more coaches to do what Bruce Arians has done this year, but that's not a league mandate. Well, it's not even this year. It goes back to yeah. the first year in Arizona seven years ago, having the first ever have two African-American coordinators. But you can't do it at the detriment to your team and losing games or you're getting your ass fired for not yeah. winning exactly. because you're hiring less experienced people over somebody that's more qualified. We're getting fired with you if you get fired. Right. Exactly. Which all this comes down to is yeah. stop pushing people that aren't ready to get jobs and they fail and it hurts the entire thing. Eric Bieniemy's done a damn good job. He's the next Andy Reid guy. But by all accounts, he's a bad interview. Yeah. So don't tell me he should get the job just because he's African-American and he's ready because he's been a good coordinator. You don't know how good he's going to be as a head coach. And if he doesn't give the owner warm and fuzzies in the interview, they're not going to hire him. No, period. Especially if somebody else does. Just because they're white doesn't mean it was a bad hire over a guy that's just as qualified as African-American. At the end of the day, you got to hire the best candidate you feel possible as the ownership. So everybody points at the owners and it's an ownership problem. They own the teams. I'm not sure how you fix it other than identifying the Byron Leftiches of the world early on, getting them into coaching. Byron made enough money. He didn't have to coach. My dad talked him into come be an intern, made him the quarterback coach, made him the coordinator, called plays, and they were the third best offense. That's, there's not a ton of those guys out there. Mm-mm. There's also not a lot of African-American guys on offense that are, can play call, that are ready to call plays or that many offense coordinators at all, right? The Todd Bowles of the world, you have some defensive guys, but yeah. – I don't know how you fix it or mandate it other than having like Kevin Stefanski in his, in his interview yesterday. We interviewed or we had uh, two quality control African-American young guys we hired in, in Minnesota last year. I want to be one of these guys that's at the forefront of this. That's how it changes. The guys, the head coaches that want to make a difference. But at the end of the day, there's only four or five jobs every year that are open. Yep. And there's a bunch of qualified guys. Absolutely. I mean, Ron Rivera is a minority. You can't tell me that they should have hired somebody else over Ron Rivera or Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy. For a first-time guy that's unproven. I don't know how you fix it. I don't know what rules you can make to the Rooney rule. Yeah, because, I mean, the reality is you have 32 jobs and you have a lot of coaches that, when they lose their job, are taking other coaching jobs somewhere else. Or they have, like Mike McCarthy, have had coaching experience that they're going to sit out a year and they're going to come back. Jason Garrett's going to sit out a year and he's going to come back if he wants to. Like that's the problem. There isn't enough turnover on some of this time. So here's I, a perfect I example, right? Brenton Buckner just got let go by John Gruden to hire Rod Marinelli. Brenton Buckner is an up and coming African American young defensive line coach. Yep. Should we give Gruden a bunch of flack to hire Rod Marinelli, maybe one of the greatest defensive line coaches in the history of the world? And John Gruden wants to win games. By the way, he won a Super Bowl with Rod Marinelli on his staff in Tampa. There's the perfect example of somebody that's more qualified. By all accounts, is a better defensive line coach with a history with of the winning. head coach of winning. History of winning. You can't. There's my perfect exactly. example of how did, I don't know how example. you change that or that you can fault Gruden for making that no. call. At the end of the day, I want period. I don't care who it is. If I am an owner, I want to win football games. So the only thing that matters to me, white, black, Hispanic, female, male, is putting the best team out on the field, and that means the coach. The defensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator means every piece. And whatever that looks like, if I'm an owner, is experience matters, right? And Rod Marinelli, in this case, is, by all accounts, a more more proven. You're basically hiring a second defensive coordinator. That's exactly right. I mean, mean, Marinelli's been the coordinator. Call Chris Richard, whatever you want, when they brought him in. Rod Marinelli is his defense. Absolutely. I mean, here's the other part of it. Like, what do we say when we hire head coaches? What what is my thing? Who are they coming 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 with? with? Eric Bieniemy would now be with the fourth Andy Reid guy. Yeah, who's Andy's he not letting any guys go. No. Frank Reich's not letting anybody go. Peterson's not letting anybody go. They're already getting poached from other guys anyway. Who's he bringing with him? So if the interview's not very good, 
and the staff's not very good, and, the train, and, he, yeah. and he's young and unproven, I can see where there's enough trepidation there from ownership to go, hey, I don't not that Kevin Stefanski's bringing it. I don't know who's bringing it. Yeah, one. for sure. But 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 they also the other thing too is there also there's a lot of this. There's this make a splash culture of now course. around the NFL. Yeah, of good, bad, or indifference. Make a splash. The John Gruden hire was to make a splash. Absolutely. The Matt Rule hire was to make a splash. Absolutely. The Kingsbury hire was to make a splash. Doesn't mean it's not going to work. Doesn't mean it, it's the wrong hire. But sometimes there's that idea of you, you fall in love with the sexy candidate versus maybe the safer candidate. If there, if there's even such a thing, but the other element that we don't know, and I always have trouble with this is that I'm not in the room interviewing these guys. I don't know what they're saying. I don't know what they're not saying. I don't know what they're fumbling over. I don't know. I don't okay. know. I, I, I can see like, I can look at Eric Bieniemy for example, because he's the, one of the biggest examples. I don't personally know on a day-to-day basis what Eric Bieniemy does in that offense versus what Andy Reid does. I don't know how much control Andy Reid has. And if it's just, and how much of it is Biennemi's ideas that Andy Reid goes with or Biennemi executing Andy Reid's ideas. I don't know that. How much is Patrick Mahomes being a superstar? That's exactly and right. I don't know that. I, I honestly, I don't know. So I, I have to trust on some level. Yes, there, there is a problem. But I also have to trust on some level that the people that are inside the NFL that are making these decisions know way more than I do about those logistics that I just can't answer. And maybe there's an answer in there somewhere. Like maybe Eric Biennemi is a bad interview. Maybe he says something that just that, that ruffles owners or GM's feathers the wrong way. Yeah. I don't know. But there's sometimes there's those are those elements that you can be a qualified candidate. You go in for a job interview and you bomb the interview and you don't get the job. It happens to everybody. In every profession in yeah. the world. I, it, I don't it, know. You can't also not point the finger. Some, guy, some of these guys have gotten jobs over more qualified people and failed at the job. And it's hurt the process. There's got to be something when we're talking about what can we do. The networking aspect of putting a better staff together, mm-hmm. of meeting other guys, and that's something the NFL could put together as a coaching thing, not just the head coaches get together every year, but no, some type something of, else that's going on. The interview yeah. process, I, I think they probably have some stuff in place already, uh, but they could do a much – we're talking about a multi, multi-billion dollar industry here. Like They could do more. Uh, I think there has to be more there than mandating the Rooney rule to change for ownership. For all sure. they're going to do is figure out a way around it. Yeah, I just I, – I do. I, I mean, all Dallas did was interview Marvin Lewis and hire McCarthy. That's what I'm saying. I struggle with not that Marvin Lewis wasn't extremely qualified. For sure. they Marvin Lewis he is just qualified. Happened to be African American. Absolutely, so they, absolutely. They, they did the Rooney Rule. I just struggle with the mandates that actually work. I, I'm sure that's what I sat down and I thought about it and I go, what could you actually legislate or mandate that's actually going to make a difference? And I just don't see anything. The only things that I see happening are. There being more guys like Stefan, what Stefanski said, like what Bruce has done for a long time, where they're building up a culture, but that's not something you can mandate. You can't. I mean, it's here's impossible. The best example of the Rooney rule is the Rooney's. Yes. They hired Mike Tomlin, who walked into a Super Bowl winning team with Bruce Arians as offense coordinator and Dick LeBeau as the defense coordinator. And it worked. He was 34 years old. That's the history of the Steelers with Chuck Noll and Bill Cowher, right? But they put their money with their mouth. But you can't step into a better situation than no. that with a franchise quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger, one of the greatest defenses that's ever been, with one of the greatest defensive coordinators that's ever been. And two very experienced guys on and both know sides. that, okay, you write the ship. The rest of these guys are also going into teams that just got fired, that don't have quarterback situations, whatever, that they might not be ready for, and they fail, and it kills the process. Of course. I mean, that's the only one you can really point to is like, okay, but there's – that's never the situation. That's the problem, ever. right? You're you're using because a, you're also a getting the job example. and saying I want to hire my own staff, and you say, okay, go ahead. But if that staff is not any good, yeah, 
it's a, it's it's not the Mike Tomlin example is hard because it's nearly impossible to replicate what you're talking about. It, it is it is impossible to to replicate having two of those the coaches you're talking about, the ownership team that you're talking about, and most importantly the quarterback you're talking about. It's very hard when these jobs come open. They're usually in flux. They usually have a lot of change not that's to coming around. The, the, Sorry. I couldn't quite hear. Oh, see, there's, there's Siri again, breaking in on the second Siri, show in a row. Siri loves talking to us, apparently. What does Siri think? Uh, Siri's going to go away. She's thinking that Dick LeBeau and that five-year that five year stretch I was talking about, talking yep. about that defense, is two of the greatest defenses in the history of the NFL. Yep. You walked into that, too. Yeah. I mean, like, that's... What's that, to say Mike Tomlin doesn't get a job somewhere else in a different scenario and fails? Well, who knows? And, and, and like, even if you go back to that scenario, like, would to, in today's mindset... Would teams, maybe the Steelers would, because they operate a little bit differently than everybody else, but would teams really be, would allow their hot star offensive coordinator to go somewhere else because they pick somebody else to be their head coach? Yeah. In this culture today? No. Where everybody's not. trying to, were people pulling guys out of college to run their offenses? No, probably not. Would, they, would somebody let that Ken Wisenhunt scenario happen again? Yeah. To, for to sure. hire an unproven head coach? Who knows? Probably not. I say probably not today. Right, wrong, or indifferent, it probably wouldn't happen today because everybody's so offensively focused. No, but. not only that, but to say that it's only – I think this is the thing that I looked at too is there are plenty of guys who are – your dad is an example – who had to wait a really long time to be a head coach. Okay, Mike it's Zimmer. not Like, my, like yeah. there are a lot of guys, white, black, Hispanic, who have a lot Bruce, – Bruce arguably deserved an opportunity 10 years prior to when he got it. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. It's like it's not – it, there's a finite amount of jobs we're talking about. It's not infinite. There's not a thousand of these jobs. There's 32. So the numbers, there's just not, it, it's this, it's not perfect. There I is a it. problem. The Rooney yes. rule I don't yes. like, and I, I don't agree. like we're going to mandate something on top of the Rooney rule, but something has to be done. And it needs to be happening at a lower level. That's, there is an exactly improportionate right. number of African-American players to white players and then you flip the coaching tree around. Correct. It's exactly the op- I get all of that and 100%. all the arguments. What you can mandate to change, I don't know. I don't know. The, uh, you have to have more coaches wanting to make a change at a young level. Also, mentoring guys until they're ready to promote them. Agreed. That's part of my, my dad's not going to promote somebody that's not ready. He wouldn't let Byron Leftwich call plays if he thought he was going to be that much better doing it himself or if somebody else on the staff was better. Clyde Christensen's on that staff who's called plays in Miami, called plays in Indy. Yeah. Tom Moore's watching all of this as like this figurehead of the greatest play caller of all time. Of course, but Byron also has Tom Moore uh, to his disposal. These are all things that point to you cannot mandate any of that. Right. And, that and, comes from the head coach. And, that, and that's where this comes in where there's obviously a problem, but the problem is, is this should have been done. The changes should have been made sooner. Yeah. So you're playing catch up. And I don't know if you can catch up on time and experience yeah. without letting it just happen. Yeah. And I, it's I, true. And it sucks. I wish I had a better answer. And maybe somebody does, but I wish I had a better answer than that. I'm just open like, to we'll it. See. I, ho- I hope but somebody comes up with something There has to be better. a better answer than every analyst saying, this is the worst offseason ever because Eric Bannemi didn't get a job. Yeah. It's not fair to Eric Bannemi. It's not fair to the people that interviewed him that were in the room that, by all accounts, may not have been very good. Come None of us with, were there. Come up with more candidates. Chris Richard is now interviewed for a bunch of jobs. Yeah, I don't know how good the staff is or how good the interview is, but he hadn't gotten any of them. No, I mean, I, I think... And I think it's too simple yeah. and too close-minded to say he didn't get it because he's African-American. I agree. I, I, I just... Maybe I'm looking at it different from a... Well, he's not, more qual- he's not more qualified than Mike McCarthy. 
He's not more. He's not more qualified than uh, who else got hired. Uh, he's more qualified than Joe Judge, and, Joe he, Judge. and he interviewed for the Giants. So that's another one people are pointing. That's at. the that's the singular job, really, and and potentially Stefanski. But Stefanski's been with the Minnesota Vikings for fourteen years. Well, he's he all around. He also the, interviewed last year, and I think people. I, I don't. That's know. what it was is. only one year as a play caller. Yeah, I mean, there's people more qualified than that. But he interviewed last year, and they loved him, and they kept yes. Freddie, who was in the building, had the relationship with Baker Mayfield. But by all accounts, again, they loved him, and a lot of people wanted them to go that direction. So it's easy to go right back there the next year. By the way, they interviewed ten people. Yeah, I, that, my, my only and the only thing in my mind that says me, and again, I know it's a logistical pain in the ass. But my only thought process would be have a minimum number of interviews for a head coaching job. If you make teams interview, let's say ten, I don't know what the number is. Somebody yeah. else said, but let's say it's seven guys. Getting more people in the door to at least pitch their ideas, to pitch what they can do to you, even if they're not going to get the job right then, even if you have no intention of giving them the job right then. It's experience, if at least you're in the door and you go, there's somebody to keep in mind when you're two, three, four, five years down the road, we might need another head coach. That could help a little bit if you're just like, giving more guys the opportunity to just pitch their ideas, send, give them their resume. That, and say, you know what? Ten's too many. Let's say you, you but have sure. a minimum of five and two of, of them have to be African-American yeah. instead of one with the Rooney rule. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that helps. You get you get more just people get in the, the door, door, and it's more of a proportionate. Listen, thing. there's, there's it's good for it'd be good for young coaches too. Absolutely, Wouldn't even just be African American coaches. It'd be good for young coaches to be able to be in that environment because you, most of us didn't get the first job we interviewed for. It's very the exper- it's, experience. I mean, they have of the whole thing at the combine where they they take the young coordinators and they interview them at the combine. They yeah. send it around the leagues. And apparently, like Steve Wilk killed that. It was awesome, and everybody loved that, and they wanted to hire him the next year. Yeah, or wanted to interview him the next year. And he failed miserably as a head coach. He wasn't ready based off of that the fake interview tape at the combine. But I think that that process helps. That's another thing that they, that they are doing. I don't know what else. Can I, I don't know what you can well, do. As I said, from it's, a league it's, standpoint. it's not a perfect process. If you have ideas, feel free to share them with us on Twitter because I'm all, I'm all aboard trying to figure out how to fix it. I just I don't have the answers. That's basically what I've, what I've come to. All right. Uh, there's a big thing that happened in Arizona. Uh, specifically this podcast is recorded in Scottsdale, Arizona, and there is a person that's been the fixture of the Arizona Cardinals since he was drafted, and that is Larry Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald is coming back for the 2020 season. He's been on these one-year deals for a couple of years now. This was kind of the year that I looked at and went, eh, he might – is this the year? And I, The only reason I did it because this was the only year that it wasn't a story. Yes. Like it wasn't a story all season really, and I was like, oh, okay, so this will be the year he just comes and back. It was today like kind of quietly wasn't really built up and then it's Larry's coming back for the 2020 season yeah and he'll be off in Antarctica or somewhere for the next month travel he's like yeah I'm coming back I'm gonna go do what I do yeah that's and he does it every year look he led them in receiving yards he led them in catches he stayed healthy again he fit an offense that I did not think he would fit in very well I still think Christian Kirk's better in the slot and Larry can't play outside and that can be a detriment at times but he's still if you're gonna put four or five receivers on that team next year he's one of the best ones you got now, is it fifteen million again? It's eleven. Is, is, I think it's eleven. I think. one eleven. Yeah, that's it's a lot for him. It is, but what he brings with leadership in the city and that that room, it's too much for that. For what I think he could put on the field anymore, but it's fits. Yeah. Like it's phenomenal that he's coming back. Of the numbers are unbelievable. The co- consecutive games with a catch is going to be oh, so, so dumb out there now that it's like he's missed six games in seventeen years, sixteen years. This will be seventeen. That is that's a dumb number. I've seen him so in dumb. family walkthroughs on Saturdays, and I'm like, dude, what? I looked at his ankle as gigantic. I'll be fine. I'll be all right tomorrow. You he's, can barely yeah. walk on Saturday morning. You're playing on Saturday. I'm good. 
He's a and he tough, goes out and has like eight for ninety and a touchdown. Yeah. He's a tough ass dude. He is the epitome of professional on and off the field. He's better off the field than he's been on. He's yes, a first he round Hall of Famer. Yep, awesome. it's awesome for us that live here and Cardinals fans that he's coming back. Of course, and I kind of like the number at eleven. It's still a little high technically for what the player, but he brings so much more than what the player is, and he let him in receiving yards and then catches. Like, how do you not say? And they have enough space. They're not going to. It's not like he's going to prevent them from signing anybody they want to sign. Or no, they got a lot of. By space. the way, they're going to throw it. A ton. Yeah. They got a quarterback that can throw it a ton. They got an innovative offense going on. I, I, I love and they the need, fact that, And they need leadership. Well, they that. need leadership. They need weapons right now. Like, I mean, I don't know what Andy is going to you're going to draft Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb or any of these guys, and you put them in that room with Larry for one or however many years Larry's got left, you can't have a better mentor than that. For yeah. sure. It's, it's, a, it's a great move. Always happy to see Larry playing another year. Going to continue to – rack up those numbers, end up being top of pretty much every reception category that there is. Here's the other thing. He's the only active player of the receivers to make the NFL 100 list. One of 10 receivers. And he's coming back. Yeah. Yeah. He's... He's a hell of a dude. He's a hell of a player. By the way, I recommend, I recommend the NFL 100 show if you haven't had yeah, a chance to watch it. it's really uh, good. With Bill Belichick breaking down a lot of guys, even from current players to players from the 50s and him getting on the on – the, Yeah, you realize how, like, how crazy his football mind is during that it's show. It's wild because they asked him, like, he's breaking out guys that are playing in the 30s. And he's like, how do you know this is from football cards? I used to get football cards as a kid. I knew every single player. If he had a football card, I knew him. And then I went back and watched film. God bless that man. Like, he's it's, it's fascinating. so much, so much stored in that head that is football of related. Belichick page. There's a segue. Um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good segue. So, if you're not familiar with what's speaking happening, of watching film. Yeah, speaking of, <laughs> if you're not familiar with what's happened in Major League Baseball, you've clearly been living under a rock. Uh, the Houston Astros have now fired their head, co- their manager, and their general manager as they were going to serve one year suspensions from Major League Baseball. They've been caught in a scandal that involves Alex Cora, who's also been let go from his duties in uh, Boston. This could potentially impact a new manager in 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 the Mets, and 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 that could be a huge deal. And as rumblings well. of update, maybe eight to ten teams of Major League Baseball you're that are doing a version of this. Yes, you're, you're talking. By the way, if this sounds familiar to you, and why we said Belichick, how is this different than Spygate one or two? So this is why we brought this up. Right? This was a technology. Unfair advantage gained by stealing signs. It is the definition of Spygate 1 and 2 that the NFL continues to overlook. There wasn't even a slap on the pinky finger, much less the wrist, the first time it happened. We're waiting on the judgment now. And all this Major League Baseball stuff coming out. A lot of pressure. Before the NFL puts anything down on the Patriots, is going to be like, they got to do something, right? Can can they overlook this and take the PR? Because we can't be the only people that are going to go, wait a minute. This sounds so eerily familiar to what's going on in the NFL. That's what I'm interesting to see because Major League Baseball made a point that this was unacceptable. They were embarrassed by this and they were going to overpunish if necessary. Where the NFL has kind of been like, eh, we don't like this. <laughs> but they keep winning Super Bowls. They do. They are the golden child. But, I mean, I, I just, I can't, I, I, they should. I just don't imagine the NFL is going to come down this hard. But it's the same thing. You, you, the difference is instead of filming coaches, you're filming a catcher. Otherwise, it's the same thing. I mean, and there have always been rumblings. Look, look. If you if you're on if you're the player on second base and you want to steal signs, that's been a part of baseball that's for part of baseball 150 years. And by the way, you're risking getting a fastball to the face. Yeah, like that's that, exactly that, right. That's been understood for a while. It's when you bring technology and when you're bringing in this all this other stuff is where it really starts to be a problem. It really there, when there's this zoom, I was a catcher. Yeah, I loved calling a game. My, they probably loved it more than playing football because you control everything. 
And you know the dude on second base if he's out there for five pitches is looking. Yeah. There's a difference when there's a zoom lens from right field. Yes, that's on you all at all times. Like, and then there's an Apple Watch involved, and they're banging on drums or clapping or whistling. You have, if, you're, if you are a good hitter and you know there's a fastball coming, yeah, that is a tremendous advantage. Huge. Yes. If you're a defense and you know a run's coming, it's that's a, a tremendous, tremendous advantage. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It is. <laughs> It's pretty incredible when you guys first mentioned it. How was nobody else talking about this? Okay, so throughout this whole process, there might need to be like an investigative piece done here. Because I think... You think? I think truly like this needs to be talked about. Like Not hidden in some dark room in Park Avenue in the basement of the NFL building? The more we talk about it, the more like conspiracy theory tin hat I put on because, and it's not even a conspiracy theory. It's like literally the Patriots have been doing this for 15 years. They've had multiple infractions that we know of. How many years between Spygate 1 and 2? What is it? 11? Yeah, 10. A little over 10. So they've been doing it the whole time. Yeah, sure. Like you said these are the two that they've been. These caught. are what we know about, yes. and Deflategate, by the way. Yeah. Okay, which uh, whatever. I think it's nothing to me. stupid and not part of this, but they got slapped harder for Deflategate yes. than they did of for course. Spygate One. Of yes. course, which is stupid. Spygate One. How bad is it that we just said Spygate One? There, there's been another one. Yes. Thank you. And there's also like there's always just shenanigans that happens at Foxborough. If you, I, I talk, I talked to Bertrand Barry. You used to play for the Cardinals for a long time. That's kind of like Jamie's talking about dude on second base, though. That's home field event. Of course. If your clock goes and, if, and the refs don't catch but it. But it's yeah. always this. It, it's yeah. always he goes, I can tell you. Singles, he goes, Paige, yeah. I have played in every opposing stadium. The only one where our headsets went out yeah. multiple times, Foxborough. Like, it's just, there's always. Now, they, Bertrand they, played when I played. So old Foxborough is different than Gillette. For sure. But, but that's still. There's just shit. And, that, there's and that's stuff. going along the line of dark gray to black. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The clock operator being a damn good or not yeah. showing replays at the wrong. That, no. all, that all goes to having a great franchise. Of course. But the, my point oh, is oh, that the there's. the hot showers or the hot water's broken in the rising lock. They, 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 always, yeah. like, they right, just, they just always have this stuff. That is surrounding them. Our old school, the visiting locker room is the size of a closet. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. I mean, they're. But that, that's gamesmanship. There's a difference between gamesmanship and blatant cheating. Which is cheating. Blatant documented cheating. If there's sure. a veteran second baseman on second base who's out there and he's out there for eight pitches. And you're not disguising your signs enough or switching them out or going to now, the mound. That's on you. And he gives a signal and a dude hits a home run. It's two, two run homer. The next time that second baseman that's comes exactly up, right. he's got a fastball coming to his ear. Yeah. He might charge the mound, and that's part of baseball. That's, that's an awesome. Known. That is within the game. That's within, that's within the playing field. It's, it's, it's like if I'm standing on the sideline, and I'm Tom Brady, and I'm looking across, and I can just figure out what, okay, whenever they do this hand signal, they're going to go run to the left. If that, that's fine to me. But I agree. Using, but using a camera yes. and, and, and hiding out in different parts of a place. Like, I mean, there's been a lot of rumors they haven't brought up yet, but there have been a lot of rumors up in Toronto that they've been doing some weird stuff in center field in Toronto, which is interesting because there are no seats there. <laughs> I'm like, noise is coming from center field, dead center field when, when Toronto's batting. There are no seats there. That's the batter's eye. Like, there's been a lot of weird things. Like, once you go into that level of – it's a technological – like it's not just the players on the field getting one up on you. That's when it goes too far. I I think we I think we've landed on the fact that we need to something talk about this more. Something somebody needs to be, be talking about it. Yeah. Everybody needs to be talking about it. the NFL. Damn sure needs to be talking about. It. I I get to the bottom of it and let us Please. know what it was. Yeah. So and there's be not any conspiracy. Yeah, that's not happening. Which will never happen. But God, yeah. I, I wish it would. All right, two two last things here. Uh, 
we alluded to it, but more so the, I don't want to talk about the Rooney rule aspect of it. I want to just talk about the, the hiring of Rod Marinelli and whether or not, because it's been received poorly on social from Oakland Raider nation because of Buckner's kind of outwardly. I love being a Raider. It's a big part of who I am, but from a, from a strictly coaching perspective, we talked about the fact that Marinelli is one of the best at what he does. So Jake, is this an upgrade for this for this Oakland Raiders, or should I say Las Vegas Raiders team? Yes, yeah, that's going to be hard it's to be used to. Yeah. That's going to be worse than San Diego to it's LA. It's terrible. Uh, I love Vegas, but it's terrible to say. Buck's a damn good coach, and he relates to his players as a player. He's not a veteran coach. You, I, I cannot find fault with what John Gruden did here at all. Is it an upgrade? Probably, that defensive line played damn good, and Buck did a damn good job. But – is it an upgrade? I think it has to be. I don't know how you can't look at it as one of the greatest defensive line coaches ever and the experience that comes with that that still has the energy to do it. When he makes one phone call, 50 dudes want to show up and a bunch of them are Hall of Famers that played for him. Warren Sapp leading the bunch. I don't know how it's not. But I get that the Raiders are the Raiders and Buck loves the Raiders and he's on Twitter and he's young and he's edgy and his hat's on backwards and he's screaming and all that stuff. And Rod Marinelli's not. I, I get all that. But you're talking about Rod Marinelli's one of the best defensive coaches in the last 25, 30 years. And yeah. they won a Super Bowl together. Like, I, I just, you I don't can't know. replace that chemistry. Right. And you're talking, you're talking about on social. So I don't really care what the take oh, is yeah, on sure. social. But. It's, it's tough. It's such a tough thing because you feel for a guy that did a pretty good job in improving what the Raiders did last year. Their defensive line was awesome. But when a candidate – and a coach like that, like Rod Marinelli, becomes available. You got to do it. It would be. You basically hired another coordinator yeah. and made him the line coach, former head coach, multi-year coordinator, one of the best at the position ever. Yeah, it's tough. I, I get why some people are upset. I understand it. I just also, I don't know how you pass up that opportunity. Yeah, you you basically can't. It, it's it's not something that I think any of us would be open to saying. Hey, if in any job scenario, if said plays out, you're going, yeah, this is a really easy decision for me. I, I think it's uh, honestly, I don't, I don't think I would fault anybody in any scenario for hiring somebody that the, that has the experience that Rod Marinelli. By the way, John Gruden is the son of a coach. He is a football. He is Belichick. We're talking about historian of the game. Yeah. Marinelli is one of his idols yeah. that he got to hire and work with before that he respects immensely. This is very he's also an old head he can lean on where he's got the entire pressure of Raider Nation because he's the end-all, be-all. Yeah. He's as powerful as Mark Davis, if in, not more. In the first year in Vegas. Yeah. To have a guy like that to be able to bring in to lean on, that is, that's invaluable. Yeah, it's you a huge deal. You can't overlook that. It's not just what he's going to do with the defensive line. It's what he's going to help Paul Gunther do in the defense as a defensive coordinator. I think we're going to look at this hire and, and midway through next year and go, man, that was a damn good hire. And maybe we don't even see it. That's what I'm because saying. Because we're not in those meetings. Of course. But the fact that John can walk down to Rod's office and shut the door, or vice versa, mm-hmm. and what happens in that room between the two of them. It's, it's meaningful. It's immensely powerful for what Gruden's going to do with the entire franchise moving forward. Yeah. He leans on him for a ton, yeah. not just defensive line or defense. Yeah, I think that that part gets lost too. I think, and I, I keep bringing it up because I feel like it's it's still maybe because of social media and everybody just likes to have just their bad opinions out there. Uh, not that my opinions are any better or worse, but I think we forget the normal human elements of life and of working and yes. of being a professional that for some reason we don't apply to <laughs> athletics. Yeah. I don't understand why. This it's, is just another one of those. Let things. me let me just use this as a real life example. If I was hiring a position, okay, 
and said position was open. And Jamie, who I've known for six years, six and a half years, worked with at two previous jobs, was was a candidate. And somebody else who I had was available, who had equal amount of experience, but I didn't have six and a half years of time spent together. Who the hell do you think I'm hiring? Now, I'm going to add to that example. Jamie's the CEO of a competitor, and you're going to hire him to do a role that you hired him six Thank years you. ago to do before he put a fast track to CEO. Hello. It's an easy, this is, yeah. nobody is sitting in John Gruden's seat not doing the same thing. That's my point. It, it's it, to, to, to look at the situation and call that this is not a good move is to not understand one, the experience level. Well, one, we're and talking two, about younger people on social media that may or may not know Rod Marinelli. That's exactly right. They may or may not know. But as my dad would say, Google him. He, this is new favorite thing to say. If somebody doesn't know, he, if somebody doesn't know any of the old heads in sports, he doesn't give anybody slack. He goes, everybody who's under the age of 30 should know how to use the internet. He goes, if I can use it, he's 61 years old. He goes, if I can use it, Everybody under 30 Look should use it. Wiki. So he's like, get on Google, Google some highlights, and then come talk to me. Because he loves arguing with young people about sports. And I'm like, this is a scary thing that he has access There's to. There's how much Google. the Bears thought of him in 2012. Yeah. This Whoever is the head coach was going to be was keeping Rod Marinelli. Yep. Yeah. That was a little short-sighted because Rod Marinelli didn't, didn't want to stay. Lovey Smith was his best friend, <laughs> and he left and went to Dallas. Yes, I was going to say. But, but, yes. but the ownership Trust me, I wanted Rod. you're staying regardless. Everybody that's a candidate for this job has to talk to Rod. Trust me, let's not talk about that year in a new coaching. I'm just saying, I okay. know what, well, it's painful scars for uh, me. Rod Marinelli is a damn good coach who still has a lot to offer in a million different ways. And I don't know how you can fault really Gurdon nice for this. scenario that played out there. As, and I will say again, I know Buck well. My dad hired yeah, him that's in Arizona. Exactly right. yeah. It's a good point. He did a damn good job. Yeah, he just got caught in a really crappy situation. Yeah. And he'll get another job. Another he will. Gig. He yeah. will. But, yeah, it just it got caught in a bad spot where it's like it, you something he does does differently. Just no. it is what it is. Sometimes no. it happens. Somebody who's got more experience and longer tenure got the job. And, and a long rapport with the head coach. That's exactly right. All right. The last thing we're going to talk about here is is more lighthearted, really. Um, in that, if you watch the national championship game and you watch social media afterwards, there were a lot of epic moments, right? Most importantly, Joe Burrow smoking a cigar, which God. I inject did, all of it into my face. I loved on, every moment of it. Did you zoom in on the hat in his lap? I did not. Mm, I would, those of you who haven't, I would go zoom in. I don't believe I could say it on the show, but. Oh, uh, God bless. I can't I, wait to I, see I, it. I would, I would say take a look at that photo oh, and just do a little zoom God. in and see what is written on that hat. I can't oh, wait. I have no idea. First and foremost, they played some, like, there are so many. It was a dad smoking happen. a cigar watching his kids, kids play yes. crowd. It yeah. was As wild. He said the, Look, and stop with this bullshit that it was the greatest quarterback season we've seen in college. The greatest season by any player in the history of college football, period. Yes. There's nothing else that comes close. By the way, how is no player in whatever they announced in the top 40 of college football? Yeah. From how the did last, any of them play in the night last 50 so, years? You're telling me you. Cam Newton, Tim Tebow? Yeah, Newton, Tebow. I think it's funny. They almost went the reverse recency bias. They were so afraid of having recency bias, they just shut out the last three decades. Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, yes. like those guys aren't on this guys, team. With all due respect to all the guys they put out there, I saw that list and I went, yeah, I don't respect this list. Like, you can't, I'm sorry, a list that doesn't have Tim Tebow, what Tim Tebow did Tim in college Tebow. is... Cam Newton season. Hello. What, oh, one season. On. There's one season, but, Ken, but it was to a me, hell of a season. To me, that's what Joe Burrow just eclipsed. Because exactly. Cam Newton's one year in college football yes. was the greatest thing we've ever seen, period. Yes. yes. The thing that made Joe put up better numbers, did more, 
was more explosive, more everything, and came out of nowhere. Yes. Yes. Cam was coming out of Blythe Junior College, and everybody kind of knew yeah. that this freak was coming yeah. out. Also, that at LSU, this has never – there's never been this situation. It's always been the defense. It's always been – that's what they're They've known They've never for. had an undefeated They've season. never yeah. had what happened this year happen. That's and what made the cigar so much better. That he literally just sat there soaking it all in going, it's over, and we did it. Not because only that. He, he said a million times – the NFL will be great when I get there. I wanted to win a national championship. Yeah. Going to and he said at the Heisman, yeah. "This is cool, but this ain't what I want. I want." And he's sitting there smoking a cigar, going, "This is awesome, guys." You also need to look at before we get off a total tangent. But what? How many teams he beat along the way? Seven top ten, 10. teams. He went to Alabama and beat Alabama. They hadn't lost at home in four years. Four years. I was at the game. They shut the lights off the second that it ended because they didn't want anybody to see double zeros with them with a loss. That's that is the pettiness level that we were talking about. Seven top ten teams. Be Trevor Lawrence, who oh by the way hasn't lost as a quarterback in college football yet. All four top four preseason yes. one through four. They beat all four of them. It's insane. The, and he did it. Yes, he with did it. Sixty freaking touchdowns and yeah. five in the national championship and seven in the first half of the damn semifinal. Put up fifty in a college football final game against Oklahoma. I mean, there is so much that happened. But yes, that one hundred, that top one hundred was terrible. I was like, please put. I get it. Respect to all the old heads, but my God, there's been so many great guys in the last twenty five yeah. years that have played football that should feel disrespected to a degree. But it's kind of just like, yeah, just. This is, this is for the old guys. Let's move along and, and make a new list uh, at some point in, in the near future. But what I wanted to talk to you guys about is the Odell Beckham handing out money at the end of the national championship game. And now, celebrating harder than the players. Yes. He he looked like he won what a national championship. Like. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been a rough year for Odell Beckham Jr. So I don't – Although he didn't win a national championship. He wore a $300,000 watch during a freaking game and it had been that yes. damn tough of a year. Yeah, he's Come fine. On. Okay. Anyways, he passed out, whether it was money, it's been said by an LSU uh, by an LSU director that it was novelty <laughs> yeah. money. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay, sure. As he's crying, saying NCAA, please don't come kill us right now. Yeah. Don't take this national championship okay. away from some moron handing out money on the so, field. The reality is the players he gave money to are no longer going to be playing for LSU. Okay. All of them? Are we sure? Has there been an investigation the, the one, done? The ones on How much video. cash the was in the on, pocket? The ones on video. Okay. Playing devil's advocate because there's a bulldog in the NCAA office licking their shots. That's what I'm saying. Right so now. And there will be a full-blown investigation. You, are, you know what's coming. If you are Ed Ogeron, you're the athletic I might retire. The athletic director. I'm you. Yeah. Like, you have to have a conversation with Odell Beckham Jr., right? So, I can't imagine how pissed I would be. I would this be is, This irate. is your moment. I would be irate. That video circulates. You go, why? Why would you do You don't anything? even have time to celebrate this Yeah. No, you don't because it happened right after the game. That you're now dealing with a Stupidity. compliance nightmare Stupidity. from a the, moron that you invited because they're yes. great about having all these freaking oh, yeah. stars. And then Tyron was back. there. Pat was there. Mike yeah. was there. The whole Dude, Ezekiel Elliott was there with all those guys on the sidelines. He didn't even go there. He went to Ohio State who got dusted last week. Yeah. Like, you, if you're going to do that, have enough respect for the university that you're there partying harder than the players. Not you know that bullshit's illegal. Yeah, don't do, I, it, on, I don't do it on the field. That kid's still got to go back to school. By the way, they're paying that kid's school for this semester. Yeah, it yeah, wasn't a smart move. You're on the field on the national championship game where they literally have eight different channels of ESPN with different cameras. 
And you're counting it out and slapping a... Yeah, you're, you're not sly. You're not the oh no, you're not the first one to roll up some money in your hand. And do By the way, shake. you think that money is big? Just wait. Come yeah. on, I'm talking about the money that paid all those players to get there in the first oh, place. No, Every no, college football team do, do, do it on the field. No, hell no. no. Drop a bag. By the way, and don't and you don't do it, Odell. Someone else does. I'm all for these guys getting money any hell way possible. Yeah. Okay, hell I don't yeah. care. I not where it's going to be a detriment to the team. Don't do it on the field. No. I, go on the team bus afterwards and Anywhere, hand out whatever the hell you want. You, hey, here's the problem. It's a moral. LSU, the university, and by all accounts, the state of Louisiana, go Tigers, <laughs> yeah. won the national championship, right? Not Odell Beckham Jr. You don't play there. No. I'm no. not even sure you graduated. No. You're not, you can't even call yourself an alumnus. You took the spotlight off of this university that you love so much. And put it on your own damn back as you always do. You take it off the Cleveland Browns and you put it on the Beckham Jr. all the time. You have a problem with this. This is a self-promoting bullshit act that's going to hurt the school that you love. And I got air quotes for those who can't see me. It's a bullshit thing. It pisses me off now that we're sitting here talking about it. You are that damn selfish. That's why I brought it up because it's so self-serving. It's so self-serving and it's so Odell. And if anybody doesn't and think it that he's the narrative of you being exactly a turd, who he is. Is. it's exactly yes. who he is. And I know that, pe- listen, the antics, there's part of it that I love. There's part of it that I hate. If I was a LSU tiger in that moment, I would be so mad at him. I understand that he's giving them money. Go do it somewhere else. Literally any Anywhere other else. moment other than the field, because you have to realize how and I'm going to use this word on purpose. It's stupid that is. It's so stupid. It is so stupid. I watched that and I was like, why? Just why? And the only answer to that question is because Odell Selfish. wanted the spotlight. Yeah. Period. That is it. Because it wasn't the video being circulated. It's not about those kids. It's about Odell. By the way, those two receivers were better than you and Jarvis have ever been Damn when straight. you were at LSU. Don't take the spotlight off of them in the That's game exactly they just right. had. Let them have their moment. An example of somebody who was an LSU Tiger. One of them wearing your shoes. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> how is my whole thing? I'm sitting there thinking before the cash happened. How is NCAA double not looking at that? That's illegal. Odell can't give those dudes shoes. That's exactly right. Now, but now you put a spotlight on the team. Yeah. So you better hope that national championship doesn't get By vacated, the way, Odell. You probably had the coolest sideline atmosphere ever. Every dude in the NFL in their bye week, they played LSU, is going back for a home game yep. and stand on the sidelines. And you might have just taken that away. Yeah. You guys might not be allowed around at all. I wouldn't blame them. Anymore. And if I'm Coach O, it might be mandated from the AD that wants to keep his job and the chancellor that wants to keep their job. I would not blame Because them. now it looks like people are running wild, doing whatever. And my institution, which is a higher learning institution, we all know what that really is, but that's, it's a college if that's how the chancellor looks at it, yeah, they yeah. love the money yeah, think, and the, the excitement football brings, but they don't want that spotlight from the NCAA. No, coming it's out. a bad look. It's a bad it's look. Awful. It's, it's stupid. It's stupid. It's self-serving. For everybody that continues to beat the drum about how Odell has – it feels bad for Odell. No. Odell does this stuff to himself. This is a perfect example Ryan. of that. I feel bad for Antonio Brown because he's got mental health issues. Completely different That's story. a whole different story with the AB stuff from earlier this week. That's, that is scary. That's a whole different – I'm, I'm saying before this week. Yeah. yeah. He keeps doing shit to himself whether he has – Of course. We, we know that. I, I, at For this sure. point, I feel bad too. But you're talking about a giant tarnish on an NFL Hall of Fame For career. Sure. Yeah. 
At don't end, make don't make excuses for OBJ. He's doing it to himself. No, he's yeah. a self promoter of his brand. Yep, period. It's not what his and brand is story. on the field. It's what he and wants to be bigger than story. that. He this was a self serving move. That's it. That was my point. I wanted to bring it up because it was it was such a big deal on social media as it should be because now it's potentially going to get the school in trouble and all because Odell Beckham Jr. wanted to have a viral moment. Thanks. I'm sure LSU's really excited about and that. And we're all talking about him. Exactly. Which he loves more Which, than catching the That's exactly right. Uh, Jake, any parting thoughts on today's podcast? We didn't talk about any games. Yeah. That's which, which, which we'll do Friday. 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 No, that would be Friday. Uh, two left. Uh, no, I mean, a lot, a lot of fun stuff. I'm looking forward to this offseason. It's going to be crazy. Just getting into the, the little bit of Carolina that we did. I can't wait till we start breaking down who's leaving salary caps, who's available, who fits where. It's just one of my favorite times of the year. We get into all that offseason stuff playing, you know, mock general manager. Uh, but that little bit we did today was exciting. I mean, they got so many potentials of blowing that thing up and, and whatever goes on there. But I'm looking forward to getting into every team and every division. Yeah, looking forward to getting into that and looking forward to once we get through the the games this weekend, the, the awesome championship games. is. I mean, I know you got the Super Bowl in two weeks, but – it's kind of the unofficial start of draft season for me. You already had the East-West Shrine game. You're going to have the Senior Bowl next week. So you start to have that. Look, kind of get those juices flowing again. So I'm really excited. Oh, yeah. Combine invites and pro days oh, and oh, yeah. all that stuff that all, goes into the draft. All the draft good. in Vegas. Yes. Yeah, all the good stuff is happening. All the all the juices are flowing. Got a couple of the Draft Network guys, Kyle Krabs, Ben Ben Solak, and, and Trevor Sycamore down at the Shrine Bowl. So that's my parting thought is to check out everything on the draftnetwork.com because – the Draft Network is one of the only media entities that is out at the Shrine doing what they're doing. We've got three guys out there. They're covering practice every day. They're taking videos every day. They're doing exclusive interviews every day. It's Not it's, to mention some damn good players in the Shrine this year. And the Senior Bowl is loaded. Yeah, the Senior Bowl is loaded. And the whole team will be there next week for the Senior Bowl. Very excited about that. Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. Jamie? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.